With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Anxious Black Belt Podcast. I'm Les Bubka and in this episode I'm going to share with you a recording from my talk for Guildford Library. I was talking about Carita Mental Health Project, writing the Anxious Black Belt and other books. I hope you're going to enjoy it. If you would like to share the feedback, um, please use Facebook or direct message. And we're going to listen to it after a short break for adverts. So thank you so much for coming around to Guildford Library to Carita's Mental Health Talk with um, Les Bubka. Um, it's great to see you here today. There's just a couple of things I need to let you know about. And there is no planned fire drill. But if it does go off, <laughs> then we need to exit um, behind and straight down the stairs and we meet at Jeffers Passage? Jeffrey's Passage. Yeah. Passage, sorry. Can you tell I'm not from Guildford? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, and um, if you need the, the toilets, etc., they're just out of that door there and then onto your left. Um, and um, tea and coffee. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed that. There's a donations box at the back if you're happy to pop something in to contribute towards milk, etc. <laughs> um, happy for, let's just happy for you to take photos, but if you can just be careful when you do take photos and um, that you don't get any of the staff, etc. in. Um, we've got a little feedback form that we'll ask you to fill out at the end of the talk and um, we'll be taking some questions at the end if you've got any for um, Logic. Um, and we've got his books for sale, which we'll do at the end. So, without further ado, <laughs> Leslie's aim, which some of you might already know, is to promote karate as a tool for the improvement of both physical and mental health. He's been a dedicated practitioner of the art of the empty hand. I like that phrase. <laughs> and it has been for over 25 years. So, over to you, Les. Cool, thank you. Um, some of you know me, uh, some of you don't know me. Uh, so I'm gonna, you probably noticed that uh, Lisa used two different names. She said <laughs> Les and then said Leszek. Uh, so my Polish proper name is Leszek, but it's spelled with SZ together. And English people is some um, finding that confusing. So I've been called from electric to love shark, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which uh, confuses people. So I decided to shorten it for Les. Uh, especially for books and so stuff like that, which I uh, publish or uh, the talks and stuff is just easier less, and it sounds more British, so I'm fitting in. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to take you back to Poland in 1980s, so you can understand my struggle with anxiety and how it all happened. Because uh, at the moment now, standing here in front of you, although I'm most of you know, it's super stressful. My anxiety go up. But through the training of martial arts, it managed for me to control it. And I can get on top of it sometimes. Sometimes it's overwhelming, but you know, that's what happens with it. So I was born in 1980s, exactly 80, where uh, Lech Wałęsa and Solidarity Movement managed to break the communist regime. And Poland started to transform from a communist state to a democracy. But it's not so easy. Uh, so we moved from a people having money during the communist time, but only thing in the shops is a vinegar and toilet paper. Everything else is rationed, and you have to queue from about 3 o'clock in the morning and hope that you're going to get something. So people got lots of money because the communist government gives you a lot of money, but there is nothing to spend it on. My dad waited for a car about six years to have a little tiny car, which was secondhand. I know that people in the UK uh, cannot imagine how it is, but it is rough times, okay? Then we moved to having everything in the shelves, but no money. So we had the worst of both worlds. The expensive prices from the West, the earnings from the East. So there was everything, but nobody was affording it. Well, most of us wasn't affording it. And here, where the story kicks in, so my dad was a butcher, so we had a lot of meat, which on the black market was quite valuable. But we had no sweets, for example, or clothing. So during that time, 
the black market thrived. So nothing was in the shops, but everything was for sale. Right, so you could exchange sweets for meat. But the, the, the point of it is that you exchanged by drinking vodka. Because in Poland at the time it was believed that if you're drunk, you tell the truth. So there's more chances if you've got somebody who is with the Communist Party because they've been infiltrating people who've been against, you might be caught up. But if they're drunk, they might talk about it and the deal might, deal might fall through. So my dad, his dad, and dad before him all died because of alcoholism. Because since he was 14 years old, he'd been trading with the meat, and every time he traded, he had to drink with a customer. So since he was 14 years old, he'd been drinking and become an alcoholic. And because of that, um, he never been a person who show any affection. We never been cuddled and things like that. And I think that's impact heavily impacted my personality and my approach to people. Uh, and I think it's not so much his fault as it was passed from his father who'd been alcoholic and so on. So that's how he been taught to, up that was his upbringing. So that's how he thought, that's how he upbringing people, right? And other thing was that he never praised us. It was keen to point out the negatives, but we never been good enough to say to us being proud. Um, I only once caught him when he was drunk with his friend and at one of the tournaments had a big trophy. And I come back home and he was running with a trophy from the big room to the small room to put it away so I didn't see that he was showing his friends, right? That's only once when I caught him actually being proud in public, right? Maybe he was praising me to other people, but it never been to me or my brother. So, when I was young, I don't remember very much of my uh, one to seven years old. Uh, I don't know if I pushed it out or whatever. My mom says I was a very outgoing person, uh, very brave, happy. Uh, but then few things happened and I changed into a very scared person to the degree that I wouldn't want to talk to people. Uh, I wouldn't go to shops, getting grocery. My mom sent me to grocery shop. I would find and convince one of my friends to do it for me because it's so overwhelming that I wouldn't go and talk to people. I really feared of talking to people because I thought they're gonna be laughing at me, they're gonna be judging me, and I don't know where the world's gonna end. I don't know, I seven, eight years, I think so. Um, so I very quickly learned how to lie very efficiently, efficiently and uh, convincingly. And that took me through more of the school. But how, uh, for me, in my mind at the moment, I think the start of my anxiety was when I managed to let in a thief into our house. Um, at the time, seven years old, you are, can take of yourself, you can go to school, you can go outside in Poland at that time, it is quite safe. You've got a key on the neck, running about, parents coming back about uh, three, four o'clock home, you're going home, have a dinner, right? But between school morning and at three o'clock, you are a free running child with a key on the neck. And somebody must have um, kind of uh, tracked me or observed me and managed to convince me that it's a good friend of my dad. My dad always been into cars. And he said that my dad's got a car battery for him, right? Car battery is big like that. Uh, he convinced me to go home and look for it uh, through all our wardrobes. <laughs> so we didn't find the battery, but what I learned later, we lost all the money at home and jewelry and stuff like that. And then my dad uh, was not very happy about it, which one of his traits was he never uh, allowed us to forget our mistakes. So he never really hit us, but he was always mentally tormenting us that, you know, you remember you done that 20 years ago or five months ago and keep bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up and kind of drilling into us how bad we are. Uh, so they apparently caught the guy uh, I went to the police station, I pointed at somebody completely else, uh, which didn't make me that happy either. So I had loads of, um, you know, bad talks at home and stuff like that, be useless and stuff like that. And I kind of took it, right? My brother is completely opposite. Everything runs off him, he doesn't care. I take everything personally, and so I've been like really upset because I'm that failure. I can't do anything right. And in school, I wasn't the brightest student. I've got uh, a very good memory, but very short. 
So uh, also I'm struggling, even now, I struggle with learning and applying my knowledge. So I've got, I call myself a qualification collector. I've got hundreds of different courses done, but I'm not very good with applying them in life, in jobs. So school was a terrible time for me. I've never been bullied uh, as such, I think because I took proactive measures and I've been a clown for our class, right? Better people laughing with me than at me. Uh, so I've always been doing silly things and bringing attention that way because I couldn't do any maths or stuff like that. But because I was friendly with my friends, always somebody helped me. So I'm on the scrambler from, scramble from my um, primary school and went to my secondary school. Um, I also uh, seen one of my friends drowning uh, when I was young. I developed a fear of heights. We've had a big quarry, one of the biggest quarries in Poland. Uh, when the depth of water is up to 30 meters and then you've got the 30 meters above. Lots of people die in there. And since seven, eight years old, without parents' permission, we've been going there and playing. And one of my friends was jumping to water. Uh, he didn't come up. We managed to get him out, uh, but he was drowning. So that was another fear going on top. Then I've been playing on the lake, <laughs> frozen lake. We play ice hockey. Of course, parents not happy about it. And I fell into water. I managed to get myself out. But my dad found out and I had even more um, telling off, bringing my uh, level of uh, self-confidence down. And uh, so this is how I developed an anxiety, right? And it was very, very, very bad. Uh, I avoided going to schools. I was forging my mom's signature. So I've been going everywhere else except the school. Um, I didn't get to, so in Poland you've got the three levels of education. You've got the uh, preparation for university, uh, we call it the lycée, I believe that's what in UK you call it as well, for some French schools. You've got the occupational school and you've got the technical school. Uh, so I went the longest way of education, went to the occupational school where you do uh, three days of school, three days of work, and then you're ready to go and work. Uh, the technical school, you do uh, like a preparation for engineering degree, but you've got a technical qualification and you can go and do work. And then from the lycée, you have to go to the university. You have no education except overall preparation. So I done the longest education, uh, always failing in everything, managed to s scrap through everything on the... Uh, in Poland, the system is uh, numbers instead of uh, letters, but it was uh, C minus or B. Uh, no, B is higher, right? B is a better one than, sorry, C or D, D. right? Well, the lower one, <laughs> just above the ground. Um, so yeah, then I moved to UK. I'm gonna now switch a little bit because the book is about the past. So I'm gonna tell you how I went to writing books. because I think that's a, a little bit interesting as well. So I never thought, if you ask my teachers, they would say, I'm never going to write a thing. I'm never going to achieve anything. My prospects was uh, drinking for the shop and being a tramp. That was my destination, according to my teachers. Um, so I moved to UK, uh, become a uh, working person for a marquee company. I worked for 10 years, managed to get to be a manager, met my wife. Uh, was love from the first punch. We met on the karate training. After first sparring, I thought she's quite good, so quite cute. I would be chatting her up. Uh, successfully, uh, we got married, and then we decided that we're gonna have a family. Uh, and I was thinking, how I'm gonna be a good father to my child, right? Uh, and I decided to write little notes what my dad done wrong, what I didn't like about upbringing from my dad. Few of my friends uh, noticed them, have a chat with me, and they said, hey, why don't you put it as a book? What do you mean? I can't write books. Uh, so my books are not uh, very eloquent, not beautiful descriptions, uh, simple for simple people like myself, uh, quite short. Uh, I just write it down. But if I write it down like I wanted to write it down, you wouldn't understand because it's English. So it's a Polish grammar with English uh, words. So my wife take a uh, time to translate it to proper English, plus she's got the martial arts background so she can translate um, the meaning of actions we do to uh, understand, be understood by English people. 
or people who are non non uh, martial artists because that bring in confusion as well. So, few people convinced me to write it down. Um, I done it. I was ready to publish, but um, and then again, an anxiety kicked in, and I was thinking, what are you doing? You're gonna be laughed at. It's probably no good. Nobody's gonna read it, and I'm gonna make a fool of myself. Um, but then, the element of karate comes in, and since I started doing karate, it installed in me a head-on collision and a challenge. So I thought, okay, I need to do it just to see how it is and we'll see how it goes. Uh, luckily for me, uh, it was a great success within the huge uh, little niche, uh, karate niche, it was a huge success. Uh, and from there came in the Karate for Mental Health. We're doing now over five years. We are uh, internationally recognized. We've got uh, over 25 groups around the whole world. Um, supporting people with mental health problems, uh, disability, and promoting inclusion. Uh, the book is uh, about all my struggles. So we're going through the chapter to chapter, um, how I developed the anxiety, how I start training, how it helped me, and what are the benefits of martial arts. So uh, in the first chapters, we're describing that I've been underwater in the freezing cold, uh, I've been robbed, uh, we go into details just behind uh, our neighborhood. So we live something like London, big flats. So on my estate, maybe 60,000 people living. Um, and we've got the like, recreation park, uh, small lake, the one which was drowning, uh, big lake, uh, national reserve. So you've got that quarry is part of the national reserve. And uh, there's all factories. It was a, a leather factory. So they be skin, taking skins off cleaning them and stuff like that but that was disused by the time I was 9 10 so obviously we've been playing there running on the rooftops uh, a lot of us falling down getting injuries getting uh, from our parents a lot of telling off um, so that was my brave times then we transitioned to building sites jumping from the rooftops and doing all the crazy stuff that uh, I'm surprised most of us survived and we still alive to tell the tale. Uh, then we moved on to uh, the problems with school. So like I said, I was failing everything. Uh, all the headmistresses and uh, head teachers told me that you know I'm gonna be expelled from school. I managed to um, create strike, uh, strike action in, <laughs> in school, in my uh, educational adventures because we've been sitting in the cold rooms and I had to wear the jacket, so I wrote the petition sent through some teachers as well, which is a success. Now we're not gonna come to school if they don't switch on the heating. So then I tried to do my A-levels three times, three times failed. I don't know if it was because I created a strike in that school, but it seemed to be that I'm not destined to go to higher education, right? Uh, so from there, I was always fearing to go to work because I can't do anything properly. I can't transfer my knowledge to the physical realm from the head. I can remember it, I can pass the examination, but I can't do it, right? So I am a car electrician. If you want to have a broken car, happy to help. Uh, I am a paramedic, always fear to be in the ambulance and actually do stuff. Uh, I am a car technician, so I can design cars and stuff like that. Please don't ask me to do that. <laughs> I am a lifeguard. That's actually what I like. I like saving people. Uh, and that's the one thing which always resonated for me and now resonates from my son. Uh, I love caring for people and I help people. Right? I've never been just brave enough to do it till the karate came in. So I was kind of shutting myself at home, didn't want to go with friends. Uh, then passing down from my family, we've got a teeth problem. So at 16, I lost 16 of my teeth. So half of my teeth was gone, right? Going to the dentist, right, you just can fix it, right? No, you need to be 18, right? There was no implants, you had to have a dentures. So your jaw's still growing, you've got two years without teeth, right? Hence, Alex is deaf. When I begin teaching her, I've been smiling like that and talking like that, right? It's just a habit. So imagine, you're 16 year olds, all, all your friends got girlfriends, and you can't smile, right? And they can't say anything, and you, afraid of going to people and talking to people. So I kind of shut myself off 
And luckily one of my friends dragged me into the club, karate club. Um, first couple of sessions, huge anxiety. Everybody, you hear the laugh in the corner, laughing of me, isn't it? I don't have a teeth, I'm small, I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm weak. So, I wanted to get out of there, but my friend forced me to be there. And um, after a month or two, I noticed that I actually enjoyed it. So going through the hardship of training took my mind away from all the problems. I had an hour and a half of being me, punching, doing push-ups, whatever you want to do, sparring. Uh, so I had that mental break and I fell in love with it. So I kept coming back. Then I learned that, you know, all the laughter, people didn't notice me. I was just another training who just starting, right? All the higher belts, because you've got the belt system in, in martial arts, when you're starting from white going to the black, and all the colors between, they are all interested in their own world, right? We are a first plan actors in our uh, world. Everybody else is second plan, and I was a second plan for them. So they've been enjoying their stuff, but my brain was doing it, overwhelming that they're laughing at me. But the more I met them, I had more, more and more support from them. And uh, I started to be good at it, right? I started to be uh, taken to a demonstrations, always a huge anxiety, you know, I need to go and perform something. And I always was worried what's gonna happen if I do mistake, right? And we're doing forms, so you follow the patterns. And for me, it was a big deal. What happens if I'm gonna do mistake? And we had one of the big ones with about 300 people. And uh, I was on my own on the stage doing a form, breathing form, and I done a mistake. But I was so much in the tunnel vision that all those people blared, right? There was nobody, it was just me, Kata, and my problems that I'm gonna make a mistake. So, and I did mistake, right? Because when you keep thinking about it, you're just gonna do it. It's all self-fulfilling prophecy. Right now, I went back and said to my friends, oh, I really, really done it wrong. I really made a mistake. It's all ruined. They said, well, nobody cares. Nobody noticed. They don't know what you're doing. It wasn't for martial artists. It was for like you. If I do now movements, you don't know what I'm doing. It's fine, right? Uh, and then, then I realized that it really doesn't matter. I can do literally whatever I want. If people are not aware, they will not judge me. So I kind of get that um, feeling and I kind of got again addicted to that feeling that everything blurs and goes away, right? And it was the same with the competition. So huge stress before competition because I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna be a failure, everybody's gonna la la laugh at me. But you step into the mats and everything blurs, there's nothing. It's just you and your opponent, right? And it actually really doesn't matter what's gonna happen with the opponent because you want to perform and you're so focused on yourself that every other aspect of your life disappears for about three minutes, right? Um, I've been quite successful. I went to a European level, not the top guy, but not the lowest guy. Um, so I like, like that, right? And as well, um, fighting with people is um, a skill. And I don't have that skill. I'm getting very easily pleased. So it was very often for me going to this uh, competition, having a fight, won a fight, I'm done. Motivation is gone. Hey, you've got five fights, go more. And okay, I go, but it, there's no confidence that I need to win, right? I'm pleased with myself because I'm not the last guy, but I don't have to be winner. And I had to work a lot, a lot of time with mental support of the coaches to develop the hunger to winning, right? Because if I'm somewhere in below average, then people don't laugh at me because I'm not the loser. But people don't get my attention, I don't have to be on top, right? So, but coming back to karate. Uh, I believe that karate and other martial arts, sports, whatever is uh, greatly uh, positive for our mental health. We know now from the science that uh, endorphins and all the happy hormones are released when you do physical activity and your brain is having a rest when your body is getting tired uh, at the time in poland again mental health was non-existent nobody talked about it uh, the old support you can have from it is get down with it all right just sort yourself out and get on with it 
Uh, now I hope it's changing. I haven't been in Poland for some time, but I hope it's changing. Uh, in UK, definitely changed. So we know that the uh, physical activity is beneficial for our mental health. And karate has got the uh, fantastic thing built in, which is belts. You're going through the progression. So you've got the 10 grades to get to the black belt and then 10 grades to get to the super master level. Um, but those early grades are a fantastic tool for children and adults as well, because you're starting with a failure. So when you're coming in, you've got a set of exercises, set of techniques, and you're gonna be failing them all the time. And that creates a habit of overcoming obstacles, right? And the belts coming in, because if you go through the first one, second one, third, fourth one, you look back and you see all my failings, actually it was not the failures, it was my learning. So you're learning how to overcome things. And then you're creating that mindset which transfers to your life. It's like for me, being here is a challenge. But it's a challenge that I want to take head on, right? So Karate taught me that, you know, it's gonna go wrong, you're gonna fail, but the failure is not the end of the world, it's just another step. And then you can have a look and you've got on the wall either your certificates or uh, belts and you can see, yeah, look, I was so bad, but look how good I am now. And then you can look forward, how many more challenges I'm gonna have that's gonna build me up. And I use that in, in work. You know, if you ask me 15, 20 years ago, if I'm gonna be living in a different country than Poland, I would tell you never, because I was afraid to go away. I have to say thank you to my friend who passed away because of alcoholism as well a few years ago. Uh, without him, I wouldn't be here. So I met a guy in a, a paramedic school. He suddenly disappeared. A few years later, I met him by accident in the pub with my girlfriend at the time. And he said, well, I'm living in UK, come and visit me. Yeah, sure, we come, yeah. You know, and people tell you, yes, we do something, but there's nothing behind it. So I never intended to come to UK to visit him. But my girlfriend, uh, she was a bit younger than me, and she took it literally. She said, yeah, we go. where are we going? Well, I didn't want to go. No, no, we need to go. So we managed to book tickets, came here. Um, she found a job immediately. I've been pretending on, a, actually not far from here, on a busy shooting grounds, pretending that every day I'm looking for a job and just being scared and sitting in a hut. Eventually, the same guy said, well, there's a space in our company, somebody quit, you can come and do it. Um, I think I'm busy that day, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna go. But eventually I went, I spent that company 10 good years, but you know, first day I'm going to work uh, to do a wedding marquee and there's a chandelier, you know those chandeliers, nice and gold. Yeah, I walked in, smashed all the bulbs. I thought, what, that's me being sacked? Easy life, I can go back to my hut and pretend doing nothing. But, you know, they said, don't worry, have things happening all the time. Uh, I had a really good time. They like my way of swearing. I didn't know English very well. I was speaking American English. Uh, but they said, I hope you don't mind me, I'm going to use the swear words. Apparently at that time, fuck, uh, was sounding with meaning behind it. Because when English people say that it had no meaning when I said it, it's nice Polish way, it means something. So I established really good connection with my manager. Everybody else hated him <laughs> in the company. But I went through there and kind of got used to it to be in the UK, right? I come back to Poland after two months, um, spent a year not, not knowing what to do. I just had my karate. Um, a year later, I got an email from a guy from who owned the company. Would you like to come for another, another two months? You being a good worker. I've always been hard working, right? Because that gives me something like physical workout, physical work give me a break from whatever happens in my head. So he said, you're a good worker, please come back. And uh, we'll see how it goes. We come back, my girlfriend decided that we're gonna be here five years, go to New Zealand. We split up, I'm still here, she's still here. Been in New Zealand, glad I didn't go. <laughs> nice country, but uh, not for me. Um, from there, we had started to have a family. We decided that me working in an environment where you have work, we don't know when you're working and how long you're gonna work, putting up tents for people is a 
job that doesn't have a schedule, right? It might be a weekend, you might be called on Saturday morning, you've got already setting up tent because somebody needs it for Sunday. Uh, I've been put as well on being on call, so all the time being on the phone, uh, because my, my boss thought it's gonna be a good challenge for me, especially with my English. Uh, so I had to deal with the customers, very posh customers. Uh, and I have to say, I never experienced any racist or foreign uh, abuse. I've been always treated fantastic, fantastic by uh, all English people and other foreigners. Uh, so I have no complaints about that. I'm very grateful about that. But then, you know, we've got a family, we've got a son coming and uh, I had to choose. So my wife said, why don't you go and do karate as your job? and become a personal trainer. So I went back to school, educated myself, although that wasn't much use because um, karate is a bit different than personal training. So I've been doing a bit of a personal training, I'm a, a massage therapist and stuff like that, plus wrote the book. Uh, I didn't know what to do, again, 36 years old, no clue what I want to do in life. Only thing I really like, like to do and can do is martial arts. I'm really good at punching people, I don't know why. Nothing else but punching people seems to be working for me. Um, and I'm caring, right? So I punch you and I take care of you. <laughs> um, so I wrote the book and I would never imagine that I'm gonna have so much feedback on it. Uh, I have people contacting me saying that I saved their life, uh, which made me cry on the phone. I got people that are saying they found different sports and stuff because of reading that book. And I never imagined that it's gonna be impact. It was more for me uh, to kind of, um, I don't know, cathartic, is that kafar? I can't pronounce it properly, so you have to do it, you know, cleansing, <laughs> cleansing for me. And actually um, having so much support from people, um, it was like a stone dropping from my chest, that's what you say in UK, we say from the heart or liver. Um, but you know, it was, um, great to be accepted the way I am and here comes the karate for mental health part because in martial arts a it's a men's dominated uh, job or activity uh, women seems to be uh, having a glass ceiling there's not many high-graded women who teach classes then you know you go any village you've got some guy teaching martial arts uh, so we started to support uh, women in, the, in their training. Uh, my classes used to be 90% women. Now it's changes 50-50. Um, the other problem is that it's macho men, right? Everybody wants to be tough and everybody expects that people are tough. So men don't talk about their mental health. So we're trying to change that. Uh, I was lucky to hook up with uh, top guys from the UK who um, are very high level, got a huge following around the world, and we're doing seminars which are called Karate for Mental Health. It's every year we're raising funds. We started raising funds for a mind charity, the Oak Leaf charity, the, the Welcome Project, which doesn't exist now, I think. Um, touring the UK and uh, raising funds for them so we can give the support. Uh, now it changed because we decided that we don't want to support people with uh, 450,000 pounds salaries of running charity and the guys on the lower getting scraps and not getting equipment, nothing like that. So I created my own. We've got the, our chunk in our club currently for mental health where we fund people directly. We've got students who train for free, have a discount, have equipment provided, whatever they needed. Uh, we're ranging with people from uh, deafness, uh, anxiety, depression, anger management, alcoholism, uh, cancer, training, and enjoying the sessions, right? And we're building them up confidence. Uh, a great thing is to have uh, feedback from people who've been training with me, saying that, hey, I couldn't find a job for years. Now I'm confident I've got I'm back to the having a job, right? So we're trying to do a, a, a good job. And that the one of the things I think, and I try to change in many clubs, is I think that's the problem with all sports activities. You've got the groups of people, right? You're coming into the club and there's a group there, there's a group there, group there, and they shall not meet and talk to each other. So in our club, we are all one, right? I'm 
they can confirm. Um, when somebody comes in, I'm sending everybody. Everybody needs to talk with everybody, right? I hate when people create a group because that's exclusion. We want inclusion, so everybody's together and we're one big family. The other thing which I try to change is that uh, disconnection between ability and disability, right? So a class who say we're teaching disabled people are only teaching disabled people. And the non-disabled people are in a different hour in different crowds. So how that's integrity and inclusion, when you've got two separate groups, that's separation and disconnection. So, so we having a people with all different abilities training together and we're finding a way and I'm educating people around the UK, the martial arts crafts, how to incorporate uh, tools for training together, right? And i give you an example uh, with Alex, actually, we use you for example. So Alex cannot be punched because she's got a cognitive uh, implant, so she cannot have sparring and stuff. But when we do sparring with other guys, we can include Alex holding the camera, recording us give us feedback, time it, pointing, judging, whatever. So she don't have to do our activity, but she's within the group included, right? And many clubs um, do that in uh, my opinion, private opinion, wrong way. They say, well, we're doing this, you guys go there in a corner and do something else, right? That's not inclusion, that's exclusion to me. So this is kind of my work now. Um, where I try to bring people together, change the opinions of uh, people with uh, disability, ability, we are all different abilities and work together. Um, so we're going around the UK, having uh, grown from one seminar a year, I think now next year is planned 13, which I'm organizing only one, right? So there's different groups in UK now took the mental health, Karate for Mental Health banner, uh, I'm not charging anything for it, so it's all for free. And they go and create their own uh, events and they fund the uh, whatever they need, right? It might be a charity, it might be a club, it might be an activity, whatever equipment, whatever they want. I don't really track what's happening there. Um, yeah. The mental health as well, you know, we know from studies now that one in four people gonna be impacted by mental health. That means that you know somebody within your uh, close environment that potentially gonna be ill, right? I went through my beat, I went through the anxiety. It is not a nice thing, right? We need support. Uh, and I think that groups, activities, sports, not necessarily martial arts, but whatever. If you've got a support group, that is really supporting you, is not judgmental, is much better for people recovering, right? If you've got that support group that you can go and chat, um, it's beneficial for you. And martial arts are, although individual sport or art, uh, you're getting very close to people because it takes a lot between two people to knock each other out, beat each other up, roll on the floor, throw, you are in really close contact, right? And you're doing something, ex to some degree, exclusive, right? Not everybody does martial arts, and no, not everybody is in that group. So you've got that family group that you're beating yourself, beat each other around, but you can talk about everything, right? When you are tired, when you are beaten, broken, then people open up, then people start talking, right? It might be one person, or you know, I've got a problem with whatever school, work right um, and then you get that support because people we all going through the rough times and bad times and we all need to vent right and this uh, one of the best therapies is talk to somebody and listen so who listen right another thing especially for men is that we are five times more likely to commit suicide because we think that that's my opinion um, there's not nobody to listen right we kind of so much worry about our egos. I will not say, well, listen, you know, I've got a bit of this, let's go and have a chat about it. We'd rather go to the pub, talk about something completely else, but hold that emotions in and decide that, well, the easiest option is to hang myself or do something silly, right? Uh, if we can get through the training people to open up and talk about the problems, 
it can be you know you're punching each other and then you just say it and the other person listen it gives you that release the other thing i noticed is that um, for anger management and all stresses it's very beneficial is holding the pads right you don't have to pick beat other person up you've got the pads and the people going and smashing those pads and you know you've got that anger release in a safe environment you're getting tired your endorphins coming out your dopamine is coming out you're being happy released and then when you're tired you don't want to do silly things outside because you have you everything you think is to go back to my shower have a bed and have a sleep right and that releases that stresses as well yeah so since uh, anxious black belts about six years ago I committed a uh, couple other books as well um, addressing other problems right it is not everything happy story with martial arts there's lots of um, bad things happening in martial arts and as well for our mental health our students mental health we need to be honest about it right I don't know if you follow uh, if you have in the news uh, one of the legends of karate in UK just awaiting trials for abuse sexual abuse in the past so it's the I can't remember the term you're using um, like in the past um, offenses so he's now be 70 and now he's awaiting trial somebody else from different martial arts not karate just been um, sentenced to prison for another sexual abuse um, so there is what I call it the dark side of karate right um, there is lots of people hiding in sports because they have access to children and vulnerable people and it's easy because it's not regulated in the UK there is no regulation for martial arts instructor you go to the shop you buy a black belt and you can teach if you manage to convince a insurance company to give you insurance then you're free to teach right in Poland at the time when I was there you have to do two uh, day course to teach uh, martial arts but it's not um, there's a distinction between is the introductionary so you're the instructor and then you have coach I know that in UK you're using coach and instructor from the same level in Poland is different so the instructor is two days to three weeks co uh, course and the coach have to have a five years education in uh, university so um, and there's the, well, later on when the third way when you can do the course and you become a coach as well but not as specialized so you've got three levels of coaching coach uh, first class second class and third class so the first class is the highest third one is the lowest um, so I went uh, done my courses and coming to UK that was a huge surprise for me that there is no regulations um, so anybody you can decide it now or you Alex can put the black belt and start teaching people without any knowledge whatsoever right uh, and that's what is used by people to get into the children because in karate as well the, the perception of karate and I probably that's what you think is lots of kids running about doing in white geese right so the people treating the parents treating it as a uh, nursery you drop them off for two two hours you go for coffee and you don't care right because you believe that it's safe unfortunately that's not the case so that now the practice is that uh, if you dropping your children most of the classes ask you to stay stay and pay attention because it's not our job to take care of your children we're there to providing service uh, and not caretakers right um, so the other thing is that there is lots of bribery people bribe clubs to get them to different bells and stuff like that and that's the um, that happened to me in Poland and it took a blow on my mental health as well because when you go to the club you think you've got that exclusivity you do something special and then when one of your seniors just sell you with all the club to the other organization and suddenly you have to change badges it hurts right it, your loyalty was um, taken advantage of and that's happening as well uh, in karate that people will go for grades there's that obsession of grades so you're being on black belt that's on the beginning of the road and you put another 10 golden bars on on your belt 
and people will do anything to get another one because they look better and they are look more um, advanced they've got secret knowledge and stuff like that so so a lot of um, kind of uh, behind the back mind games power tripping and you know like in most organization everywhere they're gonna politicians right they're gonna do anything to destroy the other one and unfortunately karate is not immune to that that thing it happens as well would you like any questions any questions do you want to tell us about your last book? Oh, that was the last book. The one before is a thoughts on karate. So um, I used to run a blog and people said it's difficult to look through it because it was like five years of blogs. And I said, well, can you put all the articles into the book? So I did. It's not about talking about this one. It's just literally my thoughts on karate. The one thing interesting is that I had to um, admit, and this is what I uh, learned as well, that admitting you are wrong and you do something um, silly or mistake or you're not knowledgeable enough, it's okay. So I wrote an article and one of the uh, my friends who runs different clubs said, well, but what you wrote is bollocks. Okay, well, I read it, read it again, educated myself on the subject, and I had to write, write down, yes, it was bollocks, now I know better, I changed my mind, right? This is very hard, I think, for all of us to admit that you are wrong, right? It takes a lot of courage. At least for me, it was a lot of courage. Like, okay, there'd be about 100,000 people reading it, and I have to say I am wrong, right? Because I like to appear that I know what I'm doing. Uh, it's a part of um, qualification, I suppose. But part of being a human is to make mistakes, right? I don't know how we do it with the time. Questions? Yeah. You again. <laughs> what age did you start school in Poland? Six years old. Now so it's changed. So, sorry, seven. So you go six is the, uh, I think it's infants here, infant school. So you go in six years uh -huh. and then the proper education starts That's seven. That's like the turning point. Yeah, seven, yeah. Right, yeah. But now they keep changing in Poland. It's such a mess that um, they keep changing it. It goes six, eight, seven, five. But God knows what they're doing now. But I was there, it was six years, but you went through straight eight years in one school. Uh -huh. Okay, and um, how come you got being the lifeguard, but not the paramedic? Lifeguard um, life is easier, right? You just jump oh, and swim. Uh, with uh, <laughs> with um, being paramedic, especially in Poland at the time, it was a lot of pressure on administrating drugs. As I mentioned, mathematics is not my strength. So I was always worried that I can do more harm than uh, good. And the only, only I forgot to mention that, that's an important thing as well. The only, uh, what's the word? I ended up in paramedic school for only one reason. That was the only one school who had a self-defense. Well, I can do karate in school, I'm going in. Right, and, and my friend went as well, so luckily, uh, luckily, my best man, who I went with to that school, failed to get into it. So it's like, shit, I'm now on my own. I know nobody, I was going with him, but he became a superb um, social worker in Poland. He's doing great projects with homeless people, so it was better for him to go to other education than being a paramedic because I think he would be as use, useless paramedic as I am. I don't think that's true, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any yes. other questions for Les? Go on, shoot something. Can I just ask about your, again, I know you haven't brought it with you, but the kind of the journal that you put together. Oh yes, well, Because I think journal. that's really interesting, uh, along the mental health side and kind of recording things, because actually talking's one thing, but you're right about that when you start writing things down, it yeah, right. helps get it's, things out as well. I don't have it with me because it's a huge book <laughs> uh, and it's very heavy, so I don't sell it from, from my shop. It's on Amazon. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, um, how do I track my progression through martial arts and how would I track my mental health? So I created a, a journal where you can, we've got different sections and you've got your uh, training, 
what you've done, what your plans. You've got a mood tracker, so you mark on every session how do you feel after the session. And we done it so you're finishing on a positive note. So always you have to put something positive on the end. So you're finishing on a happy note. Even if things went wrong, you have to finish. Find one thing within what's happening on the session uh, that make you happy, that went well. Uh, we filled it up with uh, like a, uh, positive quotes from different people. Uh, there's a cool story in there with um, amazing um, calligraphy and uh, Sumi painting from uh, one of my friends, uh, Sensei Akemi Lucas, who she, if she's from Japan. Uh, before she was very busy, now she's doing, you've probably seen Tokyo Olympics, all the writing, it's her creation. Um, so she's all over the world now, doesn't have the time for me, unfortunately, <laughs> anymore doing my little pictures and stuff like that. But she was uh, doing with us karate for mental health and, and done the calligraphy demos and stuff like that. Uh, she done a story about the carp fish in Japan. Uh, there's a story about uh, stubborn carp. So the school of school of carp, isn't it? Fisher school, right? Fish of carps um, are trying to jump over the um, waterfall and only one is stubborn enough to jump and if he manages to jump he, ju he changes into the dragon so that's kind of story about not giving up and, and doing all the all the things you can do the best um, so this one is uh, uh, people giving me a really good feedback as well because um, you can mark that mood, mood tracker fantastic is there any other questions for Les at all so I think we should say thank you very much. It's been really fantastic to hear Pleasure. all about your book um, and all about you, kind of you, kind of growing up and actually creating this amazing kind of charity that does brilliant work. So I know some of you go already, but just a reminder, the sessions yeah, on Tuesdays. Anybody, Tuesdays, <laughs> Tuesdays and Thursdays now. <laughs> yeah, if you if anybody would like to try, um, you get a free trial, so you get the, some equipment with it and... Um, yeah, if you know somebody who might be struggling financially or have a disability or something and would like to try martial arts, um, feel free to recommend it, our club. And, you know, um, we always support people and we will not turn anybody down. So it's not for everybody, but um, I've got a few students that I cannot get rid of for years now. Every <laughs> session I try to get rid of them, but they keep, coming back. <laughs> they keep, keep coming back. No, fantastic. So thank you so much for coming, everyone. Could we give Les a round of applause, please? Mm -hmm. Thank you.